hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Hypochondriac's Almanac and we are very excited to be recording this evening for you guys. I am your host Sarah and I've got Katrina with me tonight. Say hi Katrina. Hi. This is that wonderful podcast that all of you out there listen to when you secretly think you have a new disease every time you have a sniffle, a twinge, or a headache. It is not a tumor. We understand, we identify, and we definitely have scoped out WebMD more than our fair share of the times. Before we get started, we need to talk about a few little disclaimers. First and foremost, we are not doctors or nurses or medical professionals of any kind. We apologize that we have to say this every time, but we are covering our backsides. Please, please, please do not take anything we say on this show as medical advice. We are not trying to treat, diagnose, or fix any of your medical conditions. If you have an issue, please see a doctor. Don't guess or take what we say as a diagnostic tool. We just want to talk about all the fun, weird, and awesome parts of the medical world in the past, present, and the future. Let's jump right in. Today's show is very interesting because we're going to talk about sugar. The impact on your diet, what it does to your body, um, addiction to sugar, the history of sugar... And we're really going to dive into this. And this is going to be a two-part episode because we feel very strongly that this topic in general is something that's super hot right now. What do you think about the topic in general, Katrina? I've, I feel like I've been affected by sugar my whole life. And, you know, I, I'm kind of addicted to it myself. And it's impacted my body in a lot of negative ways. So I've worked really hard to cut sugar out of my diet. What about you? This has been a tough one um, for me in that when we were growing up as a small child, mom did not let us, and this you probably don't remember this because you were a very little gal yourself, but mom didn't allow us to eat sugar. We did not have processed or refined sugar in the house. Everything she made was homemade. The sugars that we had were in fruit only. And we really didn't start eating processed or refined foods or sugars until I was probably nine, eight or nine, a little bit later. So we had those formative years to really not develop an addiction to sugar because I honestly believe that sugar is a very addictive chemical. And studies have shown that when you look at the way the brain reacts to sugar, it is much the same pleasure centers that drugs like cocaine or heroin interact with your brain in. I find that very, very interesting. And I myself have had struggles through the years with addiction to sugar in that I get really, really bad sugar cravings. I have really, really bad sweet tooth. And I find myself consuming it even though I don't necessarily need it or want it. But when I eat it, I feel almost like comforted. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's, a, that's exactly a how thing. I feel. And it's like I have tried for many years to sort of break this addiction, and I've gone through periods where I went for years without eating it. I am not in that phase right now, unfortunately. I just, for example, today probably had 200 grams of sugar. Just ridiculous. One thing after another after another, and I started off on the wrong foot by having a Starbucks refresher, a size, a large one with, you know, those probably have 60 grams of sugar right there. So it is a dangerous sort of habit to get into because we're going to talk about today what sugar does to your body. Let's start it out though with a little bit of history behind sugar. Sugar was first produced from sugarcane plants in Northern India 
is what researchers think happened. This was sometime after the first century CE. The word sugar is thought to be from Sanskrit, meaning ground or candied sugar, originally grit or gravel. Obviously, when you look at the the way processed sugar looks, it is kind of gritty and almost like sand, white sand. Mm -hmm. So Sanskrit literature from ancient India, written between 1500 and 500 BC, provides documentation of the cultivation of sugar cane and the manufacture of sugar. Very, very interesting. Obviously, it started quite a, a long period of time in the past, but the history of sugar has sort of five main phases. Extraction of sugarcane juice from the sugarcane plant and the subsequent domestication of the plant in tropical southeastern Asia sometime around 8000 BC. The second part of that is the invention or manufacture of cane sugar granules from sugarcane juice in India about 2000 years ago. And this was followed by improvements in refining the crystal granules so that they became even more processed and refined and less hard to consume. The third phase of that is the spread of cultivation and manufacture of cane, of cane sugar to medieval Islamic world, together with some improvements of production methods. The fourth phase of that is the spread of cultivation and manufacture of cane sugar to the West Indies and tropical parts of the Americas. This also sort of ushered on the big rum phase and many other alcohols that are produced when sugar is a byproduct or the byproduct from the byproducts of sugar. And then the fifth is the development of beet sugar, high fructose corn syrup, and other sweeteners in the 19th and 20th centuries, which I believe was really where the downfall of those of us who are addicted to the sugar came. Because when you consume the pure sugar cane, it's much different than consuming the processed and refined sugars from high fructose corn syrup and other types of sweeteners. Obviously, when you consume a high fructose corn syrup, your body processes that in a much more efficient way and it can really lead to a lot of problems and we're gonna don't worry we're gonna delve into that in a moment here okay so beginning in about the 18th century the production of sugar and this is we're gonna kind of jump in here into the most important part of sugar production which is the beginning of the late 18th century where the production of sugar became increasingly mechanized steam engines allowed for the first sugar mill in jamaica in about 17 late 1700s And soon after, steam replaced direct firing as the source of processing heat when they began to process the cane, the sugar cane. In about 1813, the British chemist Edward Charles Howard invented a method of refining sugar that involved boiling the cane juice, not in an open kettle, but in a closed vessel, which was heated by steam and held under a partial vacuum. When he did this... At reduced pressure, the water boils at a lower temperature, and this development saved both fuel and reduced the amount of sugar that was lost through caramelization. So this sort of made the whole process more efficient, and they were allowed, or they were able to get more from more bang from their buck. So sort of like a bunch of vacuum pans held together with different pressures and all sorts of things, and the vapors from each pan served to heat the next pan with the minimum amount of heat wasted. The process of separating sugar from molasses also received mechanical attention. And again, that was part uh, of the alcohol industry as well. But in the U.S. and Japan, high fructose corn syrup really just sort of boomed in the 80s and 90s. And it has replaced sugar for a lot of uses, particularly in soft drinks and processed foods. Although there has been a little bit of kind of blowback recently with respect to high fructose corn syrup, it seems as though many people 
look for it on their labels and refuse to buy products if they have the high fructose corn syrup. What about you? Do you look specifically to see if things have that high fructose corn syrup before you purchase them or not? Yeah, because there's a lot of um, products out there that have it. And then I try to avoid it because I don't want my kids eating it. Yeah. Why? I've just read a lot of articles about how it negatively impacts the body and how it's just not, our bodies don't process it very well. And so then it just can cause a whole bunch of different problems in the body. Essentially, researchers in recent times have started looking at high fructose corn syrup. Initially, it was sort of developed as a cheaper version to sugar and it allowed corn farmers to sort of have other purposes for their products that the U.S. could purchase the corn for. So it was a very efficient and cheap method of using uh, of a sweetener. But scientists started looking at what was this doing to our bodies, including our metabolisms, our tension systems, our adrenals, our digestion, And they're seeing that high fructose corn syrup is a very unhealthy substitute calorie for calorie than sucrose or other simple sugars. So researchers (laughs) are now saying that fructose can trigger the process by which fats are formed to a greater extent than simple sugars. So it can actually make your body create fat, which is interesting. So now we've been seeing a real group of people who are dedicated to removing the high fructose corn syrup as a substitution for sugar and removing it from all of our foods and beverages today. But Katrina, why don't you tell us a little bit about what sugar does to the body? The first on the list is cancer. Um, The study goes on to suggest that rather than increase glycolysis, the breakdown of glucose to provide energy being a consequence of cancer. It is rather the activation of sugar-based metabolism in a cell driven by high sugar quantities on the cell membrane that actually causes cancer to form in the first place. So it's sort of my understanding that cancer thrives in a highly acidic environment in the body. Sugar creates an acidic environment in the body, messes up your pH balance, and creates acids essentially. And that mm-hmm. allows cancer an invitation to form and increase cells within your body, which is essentially what you said in the scientific terms, right? Right. It can also cause overweight and obesity. It also talks about how largely due to the sugar fructose found mainly in fruit juices, wheat products, and high fructose corn syrup, which is mostly commonly added to food by manufacturers as sweetener and cheaper than sucrose. So it's more cost-effective, like you were saying. Right. And it's my understanding now, too, that researchers and scientists are saying that it doesn't matter how much exercise or healthy habits you have, consumption of sugar can bypass all of that and sort of cancel out any of your positive. (laughs) And I kind of, I hate to do this, but I feel like this relationship with sugar that we have, this love-hate relationship, this very dangerous sort of relationship that we have with this sweetener is something that we experienced as kids. It's almost Mm -hmm. like a hoarding sort of thing, or you really, really want it because you didn't, you weren't allowed to have it and you didn't have it. So you develop this very unhealthy relationship with it. Mom used to hide it. We used to get it all the time for holidays and things like that. 
And it just, I think it caused us to develop this unhealthy relationship with it. And it, I hate it. I absolutely hate it because I feel as though my brain and my body are addicted to it. And I just wish there was an easy way to break that addiction and to step away from it because I feel like it is so unhealthy. For you personally, how do you feel when you eat the sugar? Well, does it okay. negative in- So for me, I feel comforted. I feel satiated. But then half an hour, an hour later, I want more. So therein lies the rub. You can have it and it satisfies that craving within your brain and it allows you to satiate that sweet tooth, but then you need more. It's a drug. It's just like any other drug. You need more and more and more to activate those pleasure centers in your brain. That is a proven fact. Right. You can actually go through withdrawal when you stop eating sugar. Just in much the same way That's that you true. would if you went cold turkey off drugs. It is a dangerous game mm-hmm. to play, this consumption of this drug. And I recommend the book, The Sugar Blues, for any of you out there who are interested in learning more about the sugar industry and what it was initially created for. Because it was not created as necessarily as a delicious additive that we were supposed to be consuming in large quantities. It was first designed and created as a food additive for nutritional purposes, because I do believe that researchers and government authorities thought that it could help soldiers and it could help people with nourishment when it was first created. And then they Mm -hmm. later discovered that it was a much more dangerous property. I mean, I can see where they would kind of go there, but as far as nutritional value, it it doesn't really do anything for you. No. I think it causes you, for the most part, to continue to eat unhealthfully and to crave more and more of the crappy things you shouldn't be eating, which in turn Mm -hmm. just sort of exacerbates any health conditions within your body and creates that acidic environment that disease, pain, aging... All of those things are created when your body is unhealthy and sugar makes your body unhealthy. That's the long and short of it. What else does it cause besides the obesity? Do you have anything else on there? Yes, cardiovascular disease. Heart disease is a leading cause of death, one of the leading causes of death here in the U.S. Absolutely. Heart disease is one of the leading causes of death here in the U.S., Uh, it's occurring earlier than the global average. And once again, our high intake is the biggest contributor to increasing in rates of these diseases. When we eat high amounts of sugar, our bodies release insulin to get excess glucose out of the bloodstream and into our cells. The higher the level of the glucose in our blood, the higher the amount of insulin released. While this is a perfect, perfectly natural response to sugar in our bloodstream, when insulin is chronically high, which it is for most people adhering to uh, the Western diet, mm-hmm. high in sugars and grains and processed foods, it causes inflammation and damages the lining of our blood vessels, leading to a host of cardiovascular-related God, concerns. That is so interesting. Don't you think that is just, like, so fascinating? I do. I 
I, I do think for me personally, when I eat too many sh- sugary foods, I do have problems with, um, joint pain. Yeah. Do you experience that at all? Absolutely. Like if I go where I have a, a weekend, like I'm sure I'll be sore tomorrow. I mean, I'm sore all the time anyway, just cause I've been working out really, really heavily, but I do notice that the, mm-hmm. it correlates. I definitely feel more mm-hmm. sore, more tired, more exhausted, more cranky, more moody with more sugar consumption, as I'm sure you probably noticed for yourself as well. Yeah. Um, my energy drops about two or three in the evening when God, I have too I much that. sugar in my diet. I absolutely hate that. And I still feel it now, whether mm-hmm. I consume sugar or not, my body just is not adjusted to cutting sugar out. So I do get super tired between like three and five, like where I feel like I just need to sleep for a week. <laughs> it's awful. That is so true. The next on the list is diabetes, That's which I kind of feel like pretty is pretty much an obvious one, right? So about a quarter of people are diabetic. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah and the rest of the world doesn't fare much better either. The disease affects nine percent of the global adult population. And is responsible for staggering 1.5 million deaths around the world each year. Or to put it another way, one person dies from diabetes every seven seconds. Yikes. And those are worldwide numbers, Many medical... Right. I personally um, had gestational diabetes, which is uh, diabetes while you are pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, It's from gaining too much weight while you're pregnant. And I had to have, I had to take my blood sugar and I was able to get everything. I was able to eat and keep my blood sugar levels good, but a lot of women can't and have to take insulin. Yeah. And then they say that my chances of having diabetes when I get older are higher now. Yeah. I have been a lot higher, pretty much borderline diabetic at several phases during my life. And it's typically at points where I ate just a shit ton of sugar where I like those little candy pumpkins from Halloween. So I would literally get a bag and eat the entire bag, Mm -hmm. which is just so bad for you. It's so much high fructose corn syrup. And it's just like your whole body just fucking freaks out. It's like, oh, what the hell is going on? Yeah, I've kind of, my body has changed and adapted to my eating where I can't eat a lot of that. Like if I eat too much sugar now, I immediately feel the effects where it it's a negative thing where I'm like, I'll feel like the good for a second, but then within 15, 20 minutes, I'm starting to feel really gross and yeah. it impacts the way I think and how I physically just feel. I just start feeling really gross and it happens pretty quickly now. Yeah, I agree. I start to feel like shaky and kind of weak and nauseous and like hot when Mm -hmm. I have too much. The last one is liver disease. It causes you to have a fatty liver. This particular problem is caused by your body's least favorite sugar, fructose. As liver cells are the only ones that can break down fructose, they set about turning the sugar into fat in a process called lipogenesis. Over time... And given enough fructose, fat droplets start to accumulate in the liver cells, which ultimately results in non-alcoholic liver disease, so-called because the effect is much the same as which an alcohol as which alcohol has on the liver. 
Well, my liver As must with be alcohol damage, it pickled. <laughs> if left untreated, the liver becomes scarred, leading to irreversible cirrhosis and irre- irreparable damage. Wow, so sugar, too much sugar can have the same impact as too much alcohol, basically. Scary. It is scary. Okay, so let's talk about... So we see that sugar has a negative impact on the body. We've shared our experiences on what we feel when we eat too much sugar. So how can you cut sugar from your diet so that we don't have this problem? And I've got a little article here with 14 simple ways to stop eating sugar. Let's talk about it. The first way that you can cut back on your sugar intake is by eliminating sugar-filled drinks. And I think a lot of people drink their sodas, drink their Starbucks, drink their other things, and don't realize fruit juices and whatnot, don't realize how much sugar is in those. So sodas, energy drinks, sports drinks, and fruit drinks contribute to an astounding 44% of the added sugar in the American diet. Sports drinks, folks. They have a ton orange of sugar. Juice. Yeah, it's just it's orange awful. juice has like thirty three grams. It's same as soda. Yeah, you just want to be super, super, super aware that these liquid drinks have a ton of calories and sugar that you do not account for typically. Don't give your kids that Gatorade. It's got a ton of sugar in it. If you're going to do the Gatorade, do the sugar-free Gatorade for Pete's sake. But even so-called health... Kids don't really need Gatorade anyway. They don't. But so-called healthy drinks like smoothies and fruit juices can actually contain staggering amounts of sugar that people just aren't Mm -hmm. aware of. For example... About 15 ounces of apple juice contains more than 12 teaspoons of sugar... Can you believe that? Yes, because I've been doing research on that. Insane. I do believe that. And then your body also doesn't recognize calories from drinks in the same way that it does for food. Drinks don't make you feel full, so people will tend to consume a lot more of them. And they don't eat less to compensate for the calories that they're consuming by drinking them. So reduce Mm. that intake of the sugary drinks and you can help with weight loss. Help yourself feel a lot better. Some better options, water, sparkling water, get that sparkling water. It doesn't have calories or a bunch of ingredients in it. Add some fresh lime juice or lemon. Delicious. Water with mint or cucumber. It's also good to refresh you in the warm weather. Herbal or fruit teas. Herbal or fruit teas. Try some of those. Just be really careful Mm -hmm. about the ones that contain caffeine because those can dehydrate you. And then tea or coffee. Mm -hmm. Stick to the unsweetened ones or use like a sugar substitute instead. But just be aware. Um, the second thing on this list is avoid sugar-loaded desserts. Desserts don't really provide nutritional value for the most part. They're loaded with sugar and they cause your blood sugar know, to but spike. they taste so good. Yeah, but they can leave you feeling tired and hungry and craving even more sugar. Cakes, pies, donuts, ice cream... Those sorts of things account for 18% of the intake of added sugar in the American diet. How about some alternatives? Have some fresh fruit. It's naturally sweet. It's got fiber, vitamins, and minerals. Just be careful with that, too, because you can still get quite a bit of sugar from fresh fruit. But try some unsweetened Greek yogurt with cinnamon or fruit as well. This is rich in calcium, protein, vitamin B12. Try baked fruit with cream. That can actually be very sweet as well, like Mm -hmm. pears, apples, or plums. 
Dark chocolate's a good alternative. Try for the higher cocoa content, the higher cacao content and lower sugar. And then dates. Dates are a naturally sweet and extremely nutritious alternative to having dessert and can kind of help kill that sweet tooth if you have one like I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually do a lot of recipes with dates. Dates are awesome. They're, They're quite good. Such delicious mm-hmm. little treats. And people don't tend, I don't think people tend to think about dates as an alternative to sugar. Mm-hmm. It's, there's also date sugar, too. And coconut sugar is supposed to There are so I many alternatives now. There's just, there's no excuse for loading your diet with regular sugar when there are so many great alternatives now. Another thing that you can do to dr- reduce your sugar intake is avoid sauces. Ketchup, barbecue sauce, sweet chili sauce, etc. These are all commonplace kitchen staples. But most people are really not aware that they have a lot of sugar in them. One tablespoon of ketchup can contain one teaspoon of sugar. Isn't that crazy? I don't eat ketchup. Do you like ketchup? I used to love ketchup. But then once I started to learn about how much sugar was in ketchup, I was like, oh, no, I shouldn't be eating this. And so I kind of used it a little bit more sparingly. But then within about the last year or two, ketchup and any tomato-based products, I find, give me heartburn. So I can't eat them without having this intense heartburn. I think I must have some sort of allergy to tomatoes, which would not be unusual because it's my understanding that our grandmother had an allergy to tomatoes. Dad's mom. I'm not really sure what has created this, but if I just don't eat it, then I don't have the heartburn. So problem solved. (laughs) Here are some alternatives that you might want to use instead of the barbecue sauce or the, the ketchup products. Try some fresh or dried herbs and spices. These contain no sugar or calories and can have added health benefits. Try a little bit of fresh chili. This can give your food a sugar-free kick. Yellow mustard. Fabulous. Tasty. No sugar or calories. And mustard actually is proven to help with inflammation as well. Did you know that? No, I did not. Did you know that that if you're also experiencing like cramps from dehydration, like you're exhausted, you've been running and you start to get a cramp, if you quickly Mm -hmm. eat a packet of mustard it'll kill the cramp no way dead serious so it's a good thing to Mm -hmm. keep on hand um if you start to experience dehydration or your kids start to experience dehydration i know it's it's weird i do not like mustard i personally cannot eat it 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 grosses me out but i know that it does have a lot of health benefits (laughs) you might also want to try vinegar vinegar is a great little zingy additive to try with all kinds of different things Be careful with balsamic because it contains some sugar. Pesto. Pesto is a great alternative. I love pesto. What about you? Do you eat Mm. pesto? I do love pesto. It's great with eggs or sandwiches. It's just so yummy. Just the different kinds of pesto just make me very, very happy. And then mayonnaise. Try with mayonnaise. Sugar-free. It can be high in fat. So be cautious if you're trying to like kind of watch what you're eating, but mayonnaise is actually a good additive as well. Eat Do you like mayonnaise? I personally do not care for mayonnaise. I will eat it occasionally mixing it with tuna fish, but that is literally the Mm -hmm. only time I will eat mayonnaise. I don't enjoy it. I don't put it on anything. It's gross. (laughs) Mm, I'm with you on that one. But I will eat it with tuna fish. That is the one and only time. Yep. 
eat full fat foods. Do not go for the low fat ones. That's you're not doing yourself any favors. Peanut butter, yogurt, salad dressing. Just eat the full fat ones. You will feel much more satiated. And usually when the low fat ones pop up, they add sugar to make up for the fat. So four ounces, a serving of low fat vanilla yogurt contains four teaspoons of sugar. That's crazy. Jeez. The same amount of full fat plain yogurt contains just a teaspoon of naturally occurring milk sugar and only 69 calories. So just be careful. Same thing with coffees and things like that. Coffee with whole milk and no sugar contains about half a teaspoon of naturally occurring sugar and 18 calories. In contrast, if you get one of those low-fat mocha drinks, that can be like six teaspoons of sugar. Jeez. And God knows how many teaspoons of sugar are contained in those Starbucks drinks that people get with all the whipped cream and the caramel sauce and sprinkles and all kinds of other crap on it. Eat your whole foods. Whole foods that have not been processed or refined, free of additives and other artificial substances are one of the best ways to cut back on the sugar. Substances like these examples of standard processed foods are simple bread and cheeses. 90% of the added sugars in the average American diet come from ultra-processed foods. Only 8.7% come from foods prepared from scratch at home using whole foods. Healthy options that people think are a lot healthier than they really are, like canned pasta sauce, can also contain alarming amounts of sugar. One serving Mm -hmm. of pasta sauce Mm -hmm. can contain three teaspoons of sugar per serving. And you wouldn't think that your pasta sauce would be a sugar source. Yeah, but it is for sure. So they tell you, cook from scratch whenever you can. This way you can avoid adding sugars that you don't want. And check those labels. If you see sugar as an additive in it, don't buy it. It's just that simple. And there are so many options now that you don't need it. I do. I personally do a lot of cooking from scratch. So um, I have alleviated a lot of those sugary things. But a lot of people don't. So, I mean, I'm, I was actually surprised at how many other moms don't chat. Um, don't, they don't cook from scratch. They don't look, they don't care. They just make whatever, whatever is convenient and don't even really consider how it might be impacting their children. It's easy, you know, and this next one on this list is check for sugar and canned mm-hmm. foods. We just talked about this. They can be great. Mm-hmm. Because they're easy, but they also can pack on the sugar that you don't know that you're in, that you're getting. Avoid canned foods that are packed in syrup or have sugar in the ingredients list. Fruit is sweet enough. Don't go for the versions that have the syrups with them. Go for the versions that are labeled in own juice or no added sugar. That is the only way you can ensure that you're not getting a bunch of crap and added sugar in your fruits and vegetables. Also, be careful about so-called healthy processed food snacks, candy and cookies, like diet candy and cookies. There is no such thing. These are not healthy snack alternatives. They can have a shit ton of sugar in them, more than you think, right? Granola bars. Yeah. They can have as much as eight teaspoons of sugar per bar. Dried fruit. Yep. Also a culprit. 
look for ingredients on the label that say 100% fruit or sugar-free. Try things like a handful of nuts, some trail mix, some sugar-free trail mix. No sugar-added jerky. That's kind of hard to find, too. I don't know if you've looked around as well. Like, almost all beef jerkies on the marketplace, and, and they're getting better now, they used to all contain sugar. And mm-hmm. I used to wonder about that, because I'm like, it's just gross. I don't like the sweet flavor with jerky. It needs to be salty. I, yeah, I don't really eat jerky anymore. But they do have a lot of, like, more healthy brands without it in them now. But you have to look for it. You have mm-hmm. to read the labels. Try a hard-boiled egg or some fresh fruit. can kill the sugar cravings and are much more healthy for you than those so-called health food snacks. Try to avoid those sugar-filled breakfast foods as well. Breakfast cereals are one of the biggest culprits. Some oh contain God, over cereals are the worst. Some contain over 12 teaspoons per serving. This makes the cereal 88% sugar by weight, which is insane. Even granola, which is usually marked as healthy, mm-hmm. can have more sugar in it than other types of cereal on average. Mm-hmm. Pancakes, waffles, muffins, and jams are also loaded with added sugar and not good for you. Try hot mm-hmm. oatmeal with fresh fruit, Greek yogurt with no sugar, eggs, boiled, poached, or scrambled, and avocado. That avocado can pack on full nutrition and healthy fats for energy throughout your day instead of the cereals and all the other crap with lots of added preservatives and sugar. This part is obvious. Read your labels. It seems like, duh, people. Look at what you're getting. don't, though. Look at what you're getting. Look for sugar. If sugar is an ingredient on that label, don't buy it. There are simply so many options out there nowadays. You don't have to be stuck with shit that contains sugar. Be aware. High fructose corn syrup, cane sugar or juice, maltose, dextrose, invert sugar, rice syrup, molasses, or caramel. These are all signs that there are sugar in your food. They can be a little bit difficult to to, to, to find because you think, oh, it's going to say sugar. No. Avoid those things. Nope. But luckily, the Food and Drug Administration has recently changed their rules, so companies have to show the amount of sugar in their products on the ingredients labels, along with the percentage of the daily value. This was pretty recent, too. Um, they have, oh, wow. This was back in, I think, 2017 or 18, and they had until 2018 to be fully compliant with telling people how much sugar is in the products. Wow, that's amazing. So another way that you can eliminate sugar from your diet is if you eat more protein and fat. This allows your body to have less of a craving for sugar. It kills your appetite and lets your brain know that you're full so you can avoid overeating. Protein has been proven to reduce appetite and hunger. If you feel full, you're you're less likely to crave the quick hunger fix that sugar provides. Protein has also been shown to directly reduce food cravings of any kind, essentially. One study showed that it increased protein in the diet by 25%, reduced cravings by 60%. Wow, Wow, right? Fat is also very high in energy. It contains 9 calories per gram compared to 4 calories per gram in protein or carbs. So look for the fats, the healthy fats. And a high fat intake is also associated with reduced appetite, believe it or not. So stock up on those things like the meat, the fish, the eggs, the avocados, and the nuts. Don't go crazy with it, but stock up on them and they will help you reduce your appetite and your cravings. 
That is actually true. I have always struggled with having sugar cravings, but I've been doing the keto diet and um, I haven't been craving sugar like I normally do. And I feel more satiated. It's definitely higher fatty, fatty foods. I feel less like snacking. I, I think, and especially at night, I like get that those snack cravings and I just want to snack on something sweet. Yeah. And I, since I started doing keto and doing higher fat snacks, I don't feel those cravings as much as I used to. Not like it's perfect, but I feel less cravings. That's why the keto diet is so helpful and helps people be successful at losing weight. Mm -hmm. You also want to consider natural sweeteners. Be careful Mm -hmm. though, because some of some of them are not so good, but consider the stevia. And a couple of the other ones, you might want to be careful about ones like sweet and low and certain ones because those have been shown in studies just to increase anxiety and depression. So just be really careful. You can also try xylitol, which is a sweetener found naturally in fruits and veggies. It doesn't cause blood sugar spikes in addition to the stevia and urethral. I think that's how you say it. It's found naturally in fruit and contains about 6% of the calories of sugar, but it's much sweeter. So only a very small amount is needed. And it also doesn't cause blood sugar spikes. First and foremost, don't keep sugar in your house. If it's a temptation for you and you know you're going to eat it, just don't bring it in. It's that Mm -hmm. simple. Well, I don't know about you, but mom does love to bring me lots and lots of sugary treats. Oh my god! When she comes to visit, so I am so glad she doesn't come that often. I mean, I love her. God bless her heart. She's the best. But when she comes, she bakes up a storm, and there's a lot of sugar in the house, which we don't mm-hmm. eat. So, but it's healthy because it's gluten free, right? <laughs> do not shop when you're hungry. That is a big one. This can cause you to put a lot less healthy options in your shopping cart. That's huge. So true. So true. The time of day that you shop can make a big difference. 82 grocery shoppers were observed to see if the time of day they went shopping had any effect on their purchases. The study found that those who shopped between 4 and 7 p.m. around dinner time, when they were likely to be hungry, bought more high-calorie products than those who shopped between 1 and 4 p.m. shortly after lunch. So if you're going to shop, do that (laughs) shortly after lunch shopping and not the right-before-dinner shopping. And then the last thing on this list is get enough sleep. Wouldn't think it, Mm. but sleep habits are incredibly important when it comes to your health. Poor sleep has been linked to depression, poor concentration, and reduced immune function. The lack of sleep and obesity link is well known. Recently, researchers discovered the lack of sleep also affects the type of food you eat. One study looked at the phenomenon in 23 healthy adults. Their brains were scanned using functional magnetic resonance imaging or an MRI for after full night sleep and then following a sleepless night researchers found that the function of the frontal lobe the part of the brain that controls decision making was impaired after a sleepless night so you don't get enough sleep you're more likely to make dumb decisions <laughs> right uh-huh. these changes meant that participants favored high calorie sweet and salty foods when they were sleep deprived 
Another study found that people who went to bed late and did not get a full night's sleep consumed more calories, more junk food, more soda, and fewer fruits and veggies compared to those who went to bed earlier and got a full night's sleep. This, I think, is the end. Let's wrap it up for the first episode, and we are going to conclude this with a second episode next week about sugar. This is the point where we say goodbye for now. So long farewell. Please rate, review, and subscribe. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please shoot us an email. We're at hypoalmapodcast at gmail.com or hypochondriacsalmanac at gmail.com. Podcast.addict is our handle on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to communicate with us on those, we would love it as well. Please join us again next week when we talk more about strange medical conditions, news, treatments, all kinds of good stuff when it comes to the medical field. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay healthy, keep it real, and always live your very best life. Bye. Bye.